Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Boldside. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, the COO of Rare Kind. And today on the show, we're joined by one of my good friends, Scott Smith. Hey, Scott. Hi, Shell. Hi, Em. Hey, we can be good friends now too, once we go through this together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can. really tight <laughs> because we're going to have the deep conversation today about career breaks. And you've had a really unique, I think unique story around taking a couple of career breaks in your life so far. We get so many questions in the Facebook community about how do you take a career break? What do you need to have set up? So today on the show, he's going to share his story about taking a career break. And there was so much gold in this conversation. So we've decided to split it into a part one and part two. Let's get into it. It's been an interesting thing getting, I guess, together because we've had this on the cards for a while. Em and I have wanted to do an episode, but we've had quite a lot of questions lately in our Facebook community around this idea of when to take a career break or what's involved. And I suppose what are the risks of taking one? And we wanted to get you on because you you have done this multiple times. And I think hearing your story and your journey is going to be really helpful for our listeners who I guess are weighing up whether this is the right thing for them. And previously, Shell, you and I have talked about what is a career break. And I feel like from a definition uh, point of view, we don't include parental leave uh, in this scenario. We're talking here about breaks that are not uh, because you're starting a family. But would that be fair, Scott? I'm still learning about your story and your journey. What have your career breaks looked like? Have they fallen into that category or have they been different? That's certainly true for me. It's different. I didn't take them to start a family. It certainly took them to invest in the family. But yeah, my definition of career break is kind of pressing pause on work for a bit. Nice. And I like that. Getting into a bit more life. Yeah. So you have taken these these two career breaks in your life, and I want to start with the first one. And this is let's go back in time and not that far back. We should kind of say, wow, you really allow like, we're going. I'm pit, there's dinosaurs coming the to dawn of time. Mind. No. <laughs> let's go back to 2009. Yeah. So I want you to tell us about this story of, I guess. You're working in a pretty big gig and you you had worked at an organisation for quite a long time and you get to this point of needing a career break. So tell us what led to that point, Scott. Yeah, I, I was working at a great organisation, Optus, and it maybe was seven to eight years in, of which the last two, possibly three years had been in a, in a role uh, that was focused on a large, one of their largest customers, existing customer, but also pursuing them for a whole of business uh, deal. And I was leading a bid team or, a, or, you know, a business development pursuit team to try to secure that deal. And I was a relatively young guy, I guess, early 30s. And we, we ended up running quite a large team and had a very concerted effort over 
a bit over a 12-month period um, to pursue that business and I was all in. I was all in on it. it, it uh, career was a big deal to me. That job was a big deal. The customer was a big deal and I took it upon myself to think that if we could be successful in that, that would set up a lot of things. Um, so it was high stakes but and high rewards if we were to win it uh, but we didn't win it. Yeah, we didn't win it and that was probably the start of um, leading into some of those decisions to be made. Wow. And when you say you you were all in, did that include working a lot of hours? It was a lot of hours, Em, yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, they were big hours. There were some overnighters, like they, oh, they, weren't, they weren't too common, but there were quite literal overnighters where a few of us would work through and then take um, you know, bid documents to the customer on the, you know, on the, on the hour before they were due uh, the next day. So it was a big year. Uh, and that's a good point. So I was about to ask, how long were you doing this like level of like, because we all have times in our career, right, where we have big lifts to get a, a certain project done or we where maybe you're studying and working at the same time and you've got this kind of like timeline where you're like, I'm going to just go hard for a period of time and then I'm going to like rest afterwards. So you're doing that for a year where you're working really in this kind of high pace environment. What did that mean for you personally? It it meant a lot of trade-offs. So, you know, those crazy overnighters, they were rare. It it wasn't a – that intensity wasn't sustained for a year, but there was a lot of it and it was – we had the focus of, you know, winning that business uh, for a long time. So you carry that with you. Um, yeah, I think just trade-offs, sure. Like a tra- I had to make a number of trade-offs around or I chose to make a number of trade-offs around family and time with family and and that was a pretty important time for us. We would have been in our early 30s and our kids were sort of seven, five and two, you know, give or take a year or two either side. So that's that really, <laughs> I'm just, you know, this is like I'm imagining my own life right now of going, I've got like a nearly two-year-old and a five-year-old and when you're in that manic stage with your family and you're just like, holy moly, like that in and of itself is massive. But then you're, I guess there's this, uh, sometimes I think it's an artificial pressure. Like we've got this, we, it's, I don't know if it's like an internal thing we put on ourselves where we're like really focusing on, I need to succeed in my career. And so we put this like pressure on ourselves to get these results that we want. And those things come at the expense of something. Mm. And so I think that that challenge of, I guess, did you have to kind of, were you weighing up towards the end when you found out, okay, well, the contract hasn't come through and I've just worked my butt off for such a long time. What was the, I guess, your thought process at the end of that? Like, how are you feeling when you got to the end of that project? A little gutted, really. You know, there was a lot of people, it was a great team working towards it and it was a real sense of community. So there was a lot of disappointment around that. I was practically quite disappointed as well around some things that how, how that would play out differently for me. As I mentioned, the sort of high risk, high reward, but there's a downside to that. And there wasn't any pre-thought about, you know, potential career break. That that really came from a moment with my wife where I felt quite uh, a little bit overawed and disappointed with the outcome and almost – uh, a, a, a bit of regret there around I've invested so much in that and so had she by default if picking up the pieces and we came out without the prize. And, you know, I remember Rachel's immediate response to me is, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about it. Like I'm happy to have you back. And it was 
that that was probably the first part of the turning point for me, just realizing, oh man, yeah, some of these trade-offs that I was making, like look at what I look at this amazing family that I got right before me here. Um, and that probably started the conversation around what do we do next. So what did your career break end up looking like? So we made a decision to take uh, six months off work and buy a Winnebago mm-hmm. and travel around Australia. Cool. And so you're, it's Rachel, you mentioned Rachel, yes. Rachel. So did she need to take a career break? Was she working at the time? Rachel was full-time mothering yep. uh, and, and running a, uh, her own hairdressing business. Wow. Yeah. That's a huge decision for you guys. Did it feel like a huge decision at the time or did it feel easy because of what you've just described to us? It felt pretty easy. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, it felt pretty exciting, but it it just felt like that needs to be the next priority. Not so much the break, but the family just needs to be this next priority. And there'd been an intense season of other, then just needed to be a a rebalancing um, and an intense season of family. And that felt like a really practical way to do it. It's really interesting you say this rebalancing idea. And I would kind of think of that as sometimes in your career – there's these really pivotal moments. And I think the end of that that contract moment of, I guess, and we've talked about this offline, so so I know a bit more of your story, but I think you have these moments where it's like, like you hit pause and you go, I'm going to hit reset. Like how do I hit reset on on some of my, you know, priorities might be a bit skewed in terms of how I view my career. And I know Em and I have talked about this a lot because we are obsessed with work and so we kind of work out like, you know, how do you you navigate that? And I, I remember in one of our conversations offline, um, Scotty, you said this thing of for you when you decided to take the career break, it was almost this, you use the words jolting moment of like, I don't know if it's like the reset or it's a at that jolting moment as you used or, or a bit of a wake-up call. How, is that how you would describe that decision to go, let's get a Winnebago and go around Australia? I think, yeah, I remember the chat shell. I think the jolting moment comment was uh, twofold. It was both the disappointment of losing something that we'd expected to win, so very much focused on work, but then also that realisation of um, just what the amazing gift that I had in my family, my wife, of, of the way that Rach approached it, that was the sort of jolting or jarring moment of, hang on, this has got to look different. Yeah. And there's a third party in this decision, I guess, or this, you know, coming to be, and that is your employer at the time. Yeah. How did you broach that conversation? And and were you doing that thinking you might need to resign to achieve the six-month career break? Um, how do we approach it or how did I approach it? Just Quite naturally, um, I was fortunate to work for a really good guy, actually a couple of people, direct reports and then general manager, just very supportive. And they'd also walked that journey and been a part of that journey that that ended, you know, to be a disappointment and just explained it at the stage of life that we're at and what we wanted to do. It was a, a little challenging just practically because there wasn't a policy that enabled um, that ex- that extent of leave without pay. Uh, but because, you know, they were supportive leadership, we found a way to make it happen. Um, and, and so you didn't need to resign? Your job was there when you came back? Didn't need to resign, although was prepared to. Like yep. I think that's that's where the conversation got to. It was like, all right, if we, if we if I can't do that, then I may just need to say thank you and then try to see if we can, you know, come back together again at the end. Um, and I think so when that was the realisation, we all worked a bit harder to 
find a way. And so, yeah, I was able to walk back in six months later. Amazing. And I'm getting really nitty gritty here, but these are the things that I feel like people are thinking about. Did you know firmly that it was six months that you would take? It's a good question, Em. I actually don't recall. I think we picked that as a nominal kind of a, okay, if we were to leave here and get back here, which was sort of just after Christmas, that would look like about six months. And Rach had done the research already to look at when's the right time to go through the top end and some very practical things like that. So maybe we did, yeah. Yeah, nice. And look, I imagine there are people out there that are thinking maybe 12 months would work for them. And I also imagine that if you're talking to your employer and you're looking for that outcome whereby you can walk back in at the end of your career break and and a job can still be available for you, you probably need some level of certainty. But we, yeah, I guess sometimes it's case by case. Was there anything when you like thinking about the conversations? Because that can be a difficult conversation to bring up. Like it can be nerve wracking. And you've got this kind of thing of, oh, I need this financial security in my job, but I really want to, you know, take time off and actually enjoy my life and not live to work. And was there anything that you would recommend or encourage our listeners around how they would approach that conversation if they're thinking about, oh, hey, I'd love to do the Australia, like trip around Australia or, or travel overseas or whatever, is there anything you would say for how they could raise the conversation? I think um, in hindsight, you know, what I know now and now having led people, I think it's I'd encourage anyone to think about the, their broader development plan with their leader, so not just from a career perspective but what do they want out of their life and how is their career serving their life and, like, how is that feeding into that? And so – you know, if if you're able to put things, maybe not, you know, you might not be ready to say, hey, I'd love to take a career break, but there might be some aspects of that that you want to talk about trying to fit in in a season. Um, then it might not be as much of a surprise for your leader when you do come to them and say, hey, there's this opportunity that we'd really love to entertain. I think also be mindful of the business. Um, that happened to open up for me because because of the, the deal that fell through. There was a practically there was a, that role needed to change anyway. Whereas, you know, as leaders in business, you've got to be sensitive to, well, what are the business requirements coming up? Do we need somebody to run that part of the business? So I think look out for the rhythms of the business. Sometimes there might be practical opportunities to say, hey, I could press pause here and it wouldn't have a huge impact on the business and, and show your leader that you're being considerate to the, to the business as well. Incorporate that in. You make some good points there and and I'm wondering also when people are thinking about this, if it might not be that you can make that decision and and execute by the end of the month, it might be that you plan it three months in advance or six months in advance. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, great call. How uh, on that, how long was it between when you had the conversation and when you like licked it around Australia? It was pretty quick. Uh, Again, I think because of the practicalities of that, that it enabled it, but it was, we pulled the trigger pretty quick from having the conversation. I think we went out looking at vehicles the next week wow. and then um, the conversation, you know, with the leadership and maybe within six weeks or so we'd, we'd kick off. You were on the road. Yeah. How good. I love it as well in terms of what I, I think it's such good advice around think about the business and, and in any of these conversations, it's, it's negotiation. I know people have weird connotations about that, but it is almost a negotiation. So coming at that conversation with, what is the win-win mm. and how do you find win-wins? Because a good employer wants you to succeed in your career. 
Like you had a great leader um, at Optus who really wanted a win for you and you were able to pitch it as a win to the business as well because there was the lull in the work at that point in time. So I think when you're coming to these conversations beforehand, do your preparation. Don't make it all about you. Make it about the win-win because that's going to have a greater chance that you can have that job held open for you and have it there when you come back. Not to mention, by the sounds of it, you had the type of relationship with your leader where they had an understanding about the fact that you needed a break of some sort and you're going to come back better, you know, a better, more productive employee once you've gone and recharged, hit that reset button. So I feel like that would come into it too. Um, The other thing that I've been thinking about is you'd been with Optus for several years. So different companies do have different policies, but I imagine that for a lot of organisations, there's also, you know, tenure, how, you know, have you been with the business for six months versus have you been with the business for six years would come into play to some extent. Are you in your probationary period? (laughs) In in which case, like, probably don't ask for a career. Yeah, yeah. And I know this is nitty gritty stuff uh, and there's no, not quite a one size fits all, but the point being, I guess, you're thinking of, of it from a few different perspectives and trying to consider what's reasonable as well as what you need and want in your life as well. I think that's the trick too, Em. It is. It is considering it from a number of different perspectives, not just from yours. And I think like anything that you might want to take to your place of employment or to your leadership to ask for, I always would just encourage people, don't never come with a sense of entitlement. Come with a sense of what's the win-win. So, you know, I might have a few needs or or desires or wants, but I'm going to think about how I lay that out for how it's better for the business or how it can at least accommodate the business. There's always a discussion to be had then versus, hey, I think I'm owed this or I'm entitled for this and this is what I want from you. And being a little bit flexible early on in the conversation is useful, even if you've decided that ultimately, if you're not able to achieve it in a work together way, you're comfortable to resign. It's not your plan A, but you're comfortable with that as your backstop. I think if you can turn up with a sense of let's work together, I'm open-minded about how this could look, because your employer might come back to you and say, we can absolutely do it. We can't do it next month, but we could do it the following month. And then you can at least make a decision as to whether or not, well, I'm happy to delay my six months, you know, buy a month, knowing that I'll have a job at the end of it versus I don't want to delay it and I'm happy to resign. And you can just have a look at that for what it is at the time. Yeah, there's there's a lot of dynamics when we're, we're as you can see, we're digging into this and we, we love to get practical and give all the um, strategies for how you actually outwork this. But before we go any further, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us though, because when we're back, we're going to talk about risk. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm thinking about... As a risk-averse person. <laughs> you or Scott? No, me. Okay. <laughs> me. I'm like curious for my own learning. Um, I mean, I've thought so deeply about career risks. Like when you, when do you start your own business? Like when do you quit a job without having your next job lined up? And a career break is a risk. And I'm thinking about going the context of this decision of your first career break, Scott, of it's 2009. It's global financial crisis for any of our Gen Z. That was a, like everyone else can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a big deal. It was a big was. deal, and it was a really tough climate in terms of jobs. And so there would have been a lot of fear around that time, or what the economy was doing. Tell us about your processing of the risk of oh, is this thing going to set me back in my career? Like you had been quite driven and and focused up until that point on work. What did that, that look like? It, 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 you know, if I reflect on it, it was a while ago, so I'm doing my best to sort of dig through the archives there of the mind. <laughs> but I, I really don't, I didn't give it a lot of consideration for what was the risk to us. It, it was that important that we did just take time. Um, however, I do remember, you know, we talked about that balance and thinking about both parties. I do remember thinking this would make sense for the business. This is going to be a time of contraction. There's not going to be a lot of new business done in this next 12 months. A lot of organisations were, you know, putting in austerity measures and pulling back from um, discretionary spend. So it's as you mentioned that, I think it, it does help me remember some of the reasons for why it could make sense for the business, for one of their salespeople to kind of exit stage left for a point. But I, I just, um, I didn't really consider, maybe naively, just didn't really consider the risk in it for us. And maybe that's a little bit of a function of sales, you know, as a, as a role, a type of role, because, you know, you can't hide much in sales. You, you're either proficient in it or you're not. And there are a lot of sales opportunities out there. Um, and particularly when the organisation says to you, okay, well, great, we'll come back, um, there didn't seem like a lot of risk in it. Was there much to consider personally? For example, I'm thinking about the home you were living in, schooling for kids, <laughs> Did you know, or maybe Rachel's on that, but uh, <laughs> how did that look? Did, were there any risks there that played on your mind or anything you needed to overcome? Um, we were fortunate because we'd actually already moved out of our place and moved into a rental, uh, maybe 12 months, 18 months earlier, just to get a bigger place. And so that was easy just to be able to hand in the lease. Um, children's schooling, it was pretty straightforward. We approached the school and asked, you know, what do we need to do? It was only two of the kids in school at the time. What do we need to do by way of curriculum? And the teachers were fantastic. They're like, look, if you can get the kids to write a journal and do some practical maths with them just around your trip. And, you know, the interesting thing was after six months with that, when we came back, both of the older two children did better at school and we did not do a lot of 
schooling with them. <laughs> Careful, this is on the record. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's more, it's more than seven. Isn't there some seven-year rule for these sorts of things? And also I'm kind of thinking about like COVID lockdowns and I'm like all the parents who were like homeschooling, yeah. oh, my gosh. Yeah. So like, you know, that learning experience of your kids like seeing this, having this amazing family time and all the things that they would have learned in that trip would have been so like, oh, oh just once in a lifetime opportunity. I... Anyway, I'm... See, he makes it sound so easy though, Shell. We could well, do it tomorrow. You know, yeah, I guess I'm my own <laughs> boss. I, I could go on a career break. But I, I'm just... I, I mean, I love talking about the risk side of it and going... I think hearing what you've said around, really framing it up in that the benefit to the business. And also, I love your approach of thinking through your life priorities, mm. not just thinking your career priorities, because mm. I think your career... We have to look at our career in proportion to what do we actually want out of life. Mm. Sometimes I just think we elevate it so high. I mean, we run a careers podcast. Well, right? it's very so. important, isn't it? <laughs> but like, but like, how do you make sure you are looking at your job and your work in a healthy way, and that it connects with your life values? Mm. And the focus, I guess, it's it's easy for many of us to come up with a list of reasons why not to yeah. take a career break and something that's coming through for me. And look, we're only at your first career break and I'm excited to hear about the second. But uh, something that's coming through for me is that at that moment in time, the reasons why to do it were just so compelling mm. for your family that it almost uh, diffused any risk that might have been otherwise overplayed and stopped you or held you back from it. Yeah, it did, Em. The, the other thing I was just thinking as you're describing that, Shell, is to note down the risks and the pros and the cons is really important because I think a lot of risk presents itself as fear and it's just the fear of the unknown but when you write it down, you actually consider, all right, well, what's the ultimate that could play out there? It's There's not many things that you can't come back from or you can't put a counter, you know, orchestrate a counter to that. And so just getting them down and playing it out, then it just becomes a matter of priorities. It really is a matter of priority. And, and so people go, oh, I couldn't do that. Well, actually, yeah, you can. It's what do you prioritise and what are you prepared to either sacrifice or put before the other to make it happen. And using the schooling example, it would be easy to sit there and go, oh, I couldn't possibly take the kids out of school for six months and I, I guess almost sort of tell yourself all of the reasons why that would make life hard or they'd be missing out or what that might create as a setback. And yet if you go and talk to the school, in your experience, they were wonderful and supportive mm. and it's totally workable and so you diffuse that fear or that risk wherever it might be coming from. Yeah. Let's talk about what happened when you came back. I'm assuming you had the best time ever. That's great. That's great. Oh, and, I want to do it again yeah, now. Yeah, you're like, when can I go on my next run? And no work. You didn't work at all. There was no secret, you know, checking the inbox no, or nothing like no, that. No, it wasn't as easy then either. Yeah. And like, True, actually, 2009. Um, we, I mean, that was, I think that was Black Blackberry days. Um, but we had a mobile, a, a sort of a less sophisticated one, and threw it in the glove box. Yeah, nice. In uh, case of so emergencies you, only. It, you really switched off. Really. And how was that? <laughs> Just yeah, amazing. curious about that. <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's not as clear to me, you know, remembering it. Um, I think firstly, I was, again, really fortunate to have leaders that allowed me, you know, didn't say yes, do that, but conditional upon this, this and this. It was like, okay, great, go. Um, and so we did. I, I think the f- it, it took a couple of weeks for me just to settle into 
it, it was less so about work and my head went to, okay, I'm responsible for this this rig and this family and safely navigating around this country. And so that forced me into a different place. Whereas I think if it was a sitting by the pool somewhere relaxing, my mind could have easily wandered to what should I have been doing? Did I leave this undone? Or whereas I had another focus straight away to, to get into. Yeah, that's a really a good insight around how do you actually, because it can be very difficult to switch off, especially, mm. you know, it's, it's like any time if you take a big chunk of holidays and it takes you so long to yeah. really get out of that headspace. I want to know what happened when you went back. So what was involved in the process of returning to work for you? And, and tell us about the job that you went back to. Uh, so I, I, I ended up coming back and either at the point of coming back or within weeks, and I just can't quite recall the exact, there was a role opened um, in a sales management role. So the sort of next step up from what I was doing. And, you know, the leader that had been supportive in helping me orchestrate that six months was um, the gentleman that was recruiting for that role. And I put my hat in the ring and was successful in, in securing a sales management role. I love this so much because it's really counterintuitive. Like we think, like most of us think about career breaks and we think that's a setback in our career. So you think, okay, I'm going to make a trade-off call and I'm going to take that break, but I might have to forego other opportunities or I might end up worse off in my career overall. I love your story that you're like, I'm taking this career break and then you come back and it hasn't set. It's not that you're just coming back to the same role. Actually, you come back to a promotion and so it shows that you've that it, it doesn't have to be what we think it is in our mind of this thing's going to set us back. Like there actually is opportunity even though you've taken yourself out of that work world for a time. Yeah, I, and obviously it's not because of the career break you're able to secure that. But I, you're right, it's, it doesn't mean that a career break uh, wipes away all of the good work and everything that you've invested into that organisation and into that role. You know, if you do the right things by the organisation – Many of them, you know, will remember that and they'll they'll see the longer game in it and, you know, hopefully they can see a great opportunity where they've got an individual that comes back refreshed and ready to rip in again. Did you feel like you were ready to go back to work? I did. Yeah. Yeah, no. I did actually. And it was a great outcome to be stepping into a different role as well because I it, it I kind of almost wiped the slate clean a little bit and it was a new day and something new that I was able to put my energy into, which was great. Well, that's the end of part one. Oh, how good is Scott? There is so much wisdom and insight in his story. It just goes to show that you can make these career breaks happen and they can have such a profound impact, not just on your job situation, but on your life and your family. We're going to come back for part two. But in the meantime, we'd love if you're enjoying the show, give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen and share it with a friend. It really helps us when you get the word out there. Thanks for hanging out. See you soon. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.